Welcome back to the Red Sector, a podcast about speedy motorbikes. I'm Matt Polanski. With me, as always, is one of my co-hosts, Josh Walsh. And Josh, how are oh, you, buddy? Brilliant. Another, uh, another weekend of, well, fantastic uh, racing. In fact, I enjoyed it more than uh, the previous weekend, so I've got lots to talk about. Yeah, and you listeners might have noticed that I said one of our co-hosts because, guys, we've multiplied. <laughs> uh, we added a new co-host. Uh, many of you who are on MotoGP Twitter will know him very well. Guys, we got Bono GP on here. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> it's like a local celebrity. Welcome. I know. That, that was a brilliant That was a brilliant introduction. <laughs> I've never had anything like that before. <laughs> All on the red carpet. <laughs> I mean... It, like he might be out, like overqualified yeah. to be here. Well, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we're excited to have you here. We're excited to have you going forward. Um, we we wanted to add another co-host because you know stuff comes up in real life, mm-hmm. and this way we can still have a show if something comes up and one of us can't yeah. make it. So. The, you know, this is something that Josh and I talked about, like right after I think our first mm-hmm. episode. Yeah, we brought we talked about this. So, you know, and it's good to have somebody who's, you know, been following MotoGP and has such a, you know, wide range of knowledge that Bono mm-hmm. brings here. So, I mean, I, for I the people who don't know company. you, for the people who don't know you, Bono, <laughs> like what what's your backstory then? Um, how did you get into MotoGP? Um, well. In that sense, I've been watching GP since as long as I can remember, which is around 2003, 2004, as I am a millennial baby, if you like. <laughs> um, and yeah, I've, I've always been into bikes as long as I know. And I've grown up a Rossi fan. But since then, I've kind of, you know, just been endorsed into the sport and just engulfed in getting it, getting myself involved, really. I've not stopped fantasizing about this season starting since it finished last season so <laughs> yeah i'm, yeah, that's, uh, that's I'm, <laughs> I'm basically picking the bones out of everything and yeah i'm i'm buzzed i'm buzzed to be part of this i'm buzzed to well i'm buzzed to get back to portimao really since since yesterday finished i'm i'm looking forward to the next one so yeah yeah i just realized i mean this coming sunday there's there's nothing well yeah no race. On the MotoGP <laughs> or the f1 yep. front as well it's just a barren sunday so I have no idea what I'm going to do. Yeah, and like World Superbike isn't back for, I think, another no. couple months. Moto America is about the same time, it's so a, it's going to be yeah, it's weird. It's going to be a boring weekend for motorsport fans, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. we were treated to two on the bounce, so we can't we can't complain too much. Right. But yeah, it's, it, I'm already counting down days till next Friday, free practice. I mean, yep. you say... Two on the bounce, but wow, two on the bounce was uh, a special two on the bounce. Let's it say, was, let's, let's yeah. Be honest. Hey, you want you want to talk some opening races? Jeez, yeah. These are and and it's not just MotoGP. No. Like the Moto Three race. I mean that that first race was something to be seen. This Sunday's Moto Three race <laughs> was insane. It, like it was like a video game. It, it's easily becoming, yeah, yeah, right, definitely. Like I, I came into MotoGP last season. I'm very fresh to all this. It's my second year watching, and it wasn't until like 
the last five races that I bought the MotoGP video pass. Mm. And Moto3 is becoming, like, one of my favorite things to watch. Like, I have to watch the Moto3 race because it is such a rush. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, I missed it because I was working on my actual motorbike. So I think it was I was justified in missing it. But I did go back and watch watch it. And, yeah, it was. I'm pretty annoyed I missed it now um, because there's just so much mm-hmm. happened. I mean, <laughs> I mean uh, John McPhee and the Abelino incident, wow. Uh, Alcoba. Alcoba. You did it again. I'm just going to bow out to Moto 2 now. That's Any me. name beginning with A, you're bound yeah, to I'm, get I'm just, yeah, Alcoba. Just, uh, Arenas. What, what is... <laughs> I'm just going to throw them all out there now. But... Yeah, Moto 3 was a, but, a yeah, spectacular I... race. Like From start to finish, there was, there was not one part of it where you could not have been entertained, whether it be the mm. first lap or halfway through or whatever, that there was always something going on. And to be fair, that is something you get from Moto3. If you've only watched GP before, and like with Matt's situation, and you do actually go and watch Moto3, I think anybody that watches it will then be like, I can't miss this from now Mm. on. You just can't. Right. I mean, you just like, there's no other racing series, I think in the world, where the guy in 10th, can be in first, like come out of the last turn in 10th and be in first by the first corner. Insane. Insane. They're they're so, and they're so tight. Like these packs of riders, uh, there's 13 riders within a second of each other. And you're just like, how are none of them crashing right now? I think if one of them sneezes in the middle of a turn, they're taking out (laughs) 10 other people. Yeah. I, I think on that point, Matt, um, I think you should definitely watch Moto3 when they go to Mugello, especially. Mugello mm. in itself is is special, oh. but Moto3 Mugello is... Mm-hmm. I, I think it's probably the most circus-like track for Moto3 because into Turn 1, it's like 10, 11 abreast going into the one. Like, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. It's It's like that for every corner, so they're either one wide or like they just spread into about 10 and it's chaos. it's absolute right. chaos and that start for this finish oh. straight is so long it, it, like exactly. you said Matt, it's just it could be a totally different mm-hmm. pecking order at the, the first corner oh magella we only got that's race six this season so we don't got <laughs> long to wait can't wait oh. but i mean it, and to have a winner oh he started on pit lane. This kid is, I, in my opinion, I think he's one of two riders in Moto2 and Moto3 that, I mean, there's, there is a few, but there's, there's two I've had my eye on for a while now, and he is definitely one of them. And I, I said in my Qatar preview on YouTube, uh, Pedro Costa is, I mean, if that doesn't prove to everybody that that kid is the next big thing, I don't know what does. Mm. He was, uh, mm-hmm. I, I had a little research about his his red red bull rookies cup kind of performance and he, he definitely had a he had a he had a mark marcus vibe to it so you know it's he it like just watching him in this race like you can definitely see it like he he picked apart every person in front of him like it was nothing yeah mm. it, the the best thing about acosta's race with that is not only I'll say not only not only starting from pit lane, not only catching the group itself, but 
it was a little bit how I think Neil Hodgson said it in commentary or maybe after the race uh, for BT Sport. He was basically saying in Moto3, you can find yourself either kind of sitting back and waiting for the guy in front to make a, a, a bit of a mistake for you to pounce on. But if you do that, you find yourself being overtaken yourself. Whereas Acosta, mm. as soon as he went past one guy, it was the next one, it was the next one. And yeah. then the next one. he just relentless mm-hmm. do you know what i mean he just and continuously it... overtook overtook and it was just it looked like a veteran in my view mm. it looked like and someone he, had rode up he's 16 years. right as well <laughs> don't eat oh. he's got braces yeah. <laughs> that's all i have to say about that he's <laughs> 16 years old what what um, were the listeners i want to know what the listeners were doing when they were 16 and if they yeah. are 16 or maybe not 16 what are you planning on doing when you're 16? Because if it's not winning the Grand Prix, then <sighs> wow. Geez, mm. 16. I'm I'm 31. So I was 16. I was I think I just bought like my first guitar. I didn't have a car yet. And I was working at I think I was working at a <laughs> farmer's market. Like selling like groceries. You were, and shit. You were um, starting from pit lane at sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, no, I was I was starting to learn how to drive. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Well, he, he's definitely one to watch, and that's what I like about Motor Three. That's why I like watching say Formula Three because you know there's a good chance, a strong chance, you're watching a future world champion, and and the, and it's yeah. and the yep. the excitement is trying to identify which one you think is going to be the future world champion. But I think it's quite an easy bet at the moment from what we've seen. Yeah, I mean, I, me personally, I, I have a Costa uh, down as champion this year. It's a, mm. it's a very bold thing to say in his first year. But mm. you know, and exactly. only the second I mean, race I'm, in. I'm but... more than happy to be proven wrong, and there, I'm mm. not saying that there's not other people in there that can contend because obviously there always is. Mm. But when you're when you're 16 and you've won a race in your second race ever. You've mm. been on the podium the week before. I think that's the kind of rider that is so raw that he will just get hungrier. I think yeah. he'll just get more and more eager to improve and because mm-hmm. he knows he can do it. So mm. he's he's a very, very special talent for sure. I was thinking more further field. I, I meant like world champion, like MotoGP world champion. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. That that's you know, yeah. that that's that's the excitement of watching Moto Three is trying to yeah, identify yeah, yeah. You know, and it, sometimes you you pin someone and the don't the don't you know nothing comes of it. But yeah, I mean, it's a little bit like Mir. You know, back mm. back when Mir was in Moto Three, I think everybody said this guy, whether he'll be champion in Moto GP, he will make it to Moto GP. Yeah, it's the case of like the cream always rises to the top. That's yeah. saying like that is. Mm-hmm. I think Yoan Mir is a prime example of that. In every class, yeah. whatever bike he's riding or whatever situation he's in he manages to come out on top or at least drag whatever mm. bike he's in oh, to yeah. a top position, yep. you know. So it, there's those kind of riders that, you know, I mean, Pedro Acosta's made a career for himself in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Yeah. He has. And uh, we just have to touch on the John McPhee yeah. um, fiasco. Uh, when yep. when I was just about to say that. Break? Like, literally, it, what's that saying? If you, if you didn't have bad luck, you'd have no luck at all. Um, and that's true. Yep. I mean, it, lap four, uh, was it? It was Alcoba that like yeah. went into uh, it. Right? I'm not going to say because I'll get it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. 
But basically, it was like the front tire got like screwy on him and he high sided it. But when he high sided it, the exhaust came up yeah. and smacked uh, McPhee in the head. And that mm. took McPhee out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It- and then when they were over in the gravel yeah. trap, yeah, you could see McPhee was re- really upset and <laughs> yeah. tried kicking him at one oh. point. Yeah, my, my my view on it is simply, I think it was Alcoba's fault for the incident, and I mm. think both riders should have conducted themselves a little bit better. Yeah, that is short and sweet. I think that's, and, yeah. that's very important. The problem with McPhee is he's not, you know, if, if he was like 18, 19, it wouldn't be so bad, but because yeah. what, is he 29 now? 27, 30? I think. Oh, is he 27? Yeah, 26. Oh, a, yeah. yeah. Like but I mean, he's he's getting on now, especially for Moto3. Yeah. Moto um. And that's isn't there? Yeah, there's an age limit on Moto three. Yeah, so like this is like could I be his I'll last year. A, yeah, I'll speak to a friend Moto3. of mine about it, and I think it's a case of if you start the year under the age limit, you're all right. But I think if you finish the year at like 28 or whatever, mm. if that is the limit, I think that is like when you you know have to yeah. be out of the class. So. And he he's got hope. There's maybe a right. two seat waiting for him, but yeah, I think it's very much make or break this year for John mm. as as sad as it might sound you know as a Brit I, I don't really want to throw him under the bus but I think with the age that he's at and the years it takes for especially small riders to adapt mm. in Moto2 I think he does have very limited time mm-hmm. to get up to Moto2 if that's his you know path that he wants to yeah. go down so yeah and talking Moto2 and oh, yeah. British riders it's Sam Lowe oh, does it again. I mean, fist pump in the air. Right. <laughs> I think with Sam, it's <laughs> it's changed a lot from Mark VDS since going mm-hmm. there, and having watched mm-hmm. him so closely, being a Brit over the years, Sam tend to have got to like the last ten or fifteen, like ten now, like ten laps, let's say, and it was very much not a make or break situation, but it would be if he was anywhere in a position where he had to go for it, he had to control, Mm. it could sometimes come apart for him and he wouldn't be able to have that race management. But I think since going to Mark VDS, Sam just looks so calm, like completely just taken down a notch, relaxed. And just, I mean, on Sunday and especially last week, I think one word to sum it up would be metronomic. I think that's the perfect word for him. I, he's like a different person. I still think yeah. his twin brother's riding the bike. <laughs> like, yeah. in, that's how different it feels. It, it does not, from last season or, the, you know, the previous season, it doesn't feel like the same Sam, but yeah. it, it's good that he's in a, he's in a new environment. Like, a, a he, he seems like he's he's in a different place in his head where, where yeah. he needs to be, especially if he wants to, to win a world championship because he's got some tough competition. Mm-hmm. I mean, second place and well, second and third. Great you had the rides. Red Bull KTM mm. Aho riders, uh, Remy Gardner, Ra- Raul Fer- <laughs> Fernandez. God, man, I suck at names. But I mean, they were th- towards the top all weekend, also. And then you got yep. uh, Marco Bezzecchi in fourth. So, I mean, right there, those top four names, those yeah, are going to be in contention. Yeah. Those all three are going to be going to exploit any mistakes on those mates going, you know, going forward. Mm-hmm. So we, I know the, the fire, the, you know, the, the starting guns been been fired, so to speak, but we got a long way to go. And I, I, yeah, it's, it, 
it's going to go down to the wire either way, I think. I think as well, just mm-hmm. on that point with the Red Bull KTM guys, first Remy, I think he's another one that a lot of people are not overlooking as such, but I don't think people realise how much he's changed in the last mm. like two years. Remy used to be a very much mm-hmm. like, he was a bit like Sam where it would get a bit aggressive or maybe he would throw it down the road with five laps to go and you'd yeah. pull your hair out for him. Whereas, I mean, it's only two races in, but at the minute, Remy looks a lot more controlled. He looks, in my eyes, I think he looks fitter. I think he looks like a more in-shape guy for the job. Mm. He's a quite a big guy anyway. But he, he looked, even though he got second, he, he looked fantastic. I well, think. he was he was nipping at some of those heels yeah. most of the race. Um, and like mm-hmm. you said, did he race for someone else last season? Or he was he at Red Bull? the... Um, Oh, the is it the SAG team? The yeah, the go. Oh, not the going fun, but yeah, the the team that is now the Indonesian Kalex, mm. uh, you know, the, the Ben that, Schneider and Luti team. Yeah, because I feel like that again, a change of environment's done him the world of good. Yeah, especially with Ayo as well with Aki. Mm. I think he's he's got great rider management. Mm. A lot of riders that go to Aki Ayo teams tend to, if they've kind of got a chip on their shoulder or they're very aggressive or maybe have that rough edge around them. I think he kind of takes it down a notch for them, which is great. Mm, definitely. Yeah, and then, uh, I mean, we don't have to get into this much. J- Jake Dixon, uh, Cam- Cameron Bobby, and Joe Roberts all crashed up. That's all we need to talk about with them. The American flag um, was, uh, was taken down in that race, I'm afraid. Like it, it was waving proud, and then they both went out and it went down. We're like, oh, okay, never mind. Can we just can we this race be over? I do feel a little bit bad for people like Bobby though, because you can see, especially last week, you could see that the guys actually got really good pace straight from the off. He actually worked his mm-hmm. way through the the pack quite well last week, and you know he's he's bound to crash out a few races because he's got to find his feet, but. In general, I think right. crashing like the second race in for Cameron's not a big, a big hit. I think it's just a learning curve to know where he can find the limit. Mm, yeah, right. And that's it, it. Was one of those things when when he went down, I was kind of like, oh, okay, it's it's Cameron's second race. You know, this is bound to happen. When Joe went down, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh crap. Like it was, it was a face and hands moment. I'm like, how oh, good is it though to have two Americans in the in the paddock now? Though I, I think it's a massive step for uh, American racing, especially bike racing. Yeah, it 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 shows it it doesn't really put Moto America on like anyone's radar, mm. but it kind of does. Like it's not like everyone's saying like, oh, we got to go get all these Moto America racers, but it's like. Hey, there's two of them that just came out of that. That's that's kind of like yeah shows something. You know, maybe somebody else you know coming up through Moto America could yeah, you think, know, go uh, over as well. At least one of them will make it into MotoGP. I have no doubt about that. And uh, you know, getting that mm-hmm. exposure does help, especially when they go to like Kota. Um, you know, that'll be a huge a huge draw. Yeah, for big American fans. I think as well though, as of yep. like the last. 10 years it's kind of gone from indianapolis laguna seca and kota and then yeah, it kind just, of just dropped off and now it's just kota yeah but again like you say it's, it's a great draw because yeah. god rest his soul no longer having nicky hayden mm. in the paddock which for american fans mm-hmm. if you were an american MotoGP gp fan through the mid 2000s nicky hayden was like god 
He was Whereas, like, now, yeah. you, you know, you want to see the people like your Joe Roberts and your Cameron Bobier come through and you want mm. to see them do well, which is, like you said, it's only going to draw attention to the coders and keep them kind of tracks on the map. Exactly. I mean, when, when Americans right. kind of hop back and start reminiscing, you, it's quite sad to think that they've got to think of Nicky Hayden, who was mid-2000s, yeah. they've got to think of Kenny Roberts Jr. And that's about it, really. And uh, you could throw in Colin Edwards, but, you know, there's not many names to think of. Yeah. It's the same with uh, it's the same with those Brits, I guess. Um, yeah, it's not as government funded as it is in Spain and Italy because oh, yeah, you know, they, they kind of yeah they have a lot of schemes and, uh, yeah. and academies in Spain <clears throat> and Italy to kind of fund all yeah. these young talents to come through. Yeah. Whereas I, Brits and Americans, you know, they they do have to go a bit mm, of a rough route, I, if you like. I think Donna are on to that though. I think they they've they've seen the potential in like Britain and America, the audiences and yeah. what, what, what like a, a British and a successful British and American rider who, who's winning races can do and, and what kind of support they can bring on. So I, I think I read something before about how Donna are starting to, you know, nurture young talent in Britain um, to try and get more in the ranks in, in, you know, motor two and motor three. Yeah. I mean, it's like Jake Dixon. It was a very bold move for Jake mm. to jump from BSB over to Moto2. Yeah. That is a very, very rare thing that anyone yeah. does, let alone yeah. BSB to Moto2. A lot of people mm. try to do it in the lower ranks to Moto3, but never end up doing it. So for Jake to go from that to Moto2, mm. it's a big, big step for Jake. But I think given if he's fit and he's not injured and he has that Patronus bike underneath him, I think Jake's a real threat to anybody whether it be Sam, Remy Gardner, or Bezeki, I think he can yep. be up there. He showed that last year at Le Mans. Mm-hmm. And he's what? He's twenty-four as well. So yeah, and, yeah I don't years. think he's too old, Jake. I don't know how old he is. Mm. Yeah, I will say one of the things over here that Dorna would have to work. I mean, having people like Bobier and Roberts go over um, are great, but. Working oh, yeah. out a new TV deal because over here a, a big problem is that the network that carries MotoGP is it's called NBC Sports Network and it also oh, carries shit. the EPL games and those reign supreme mm. on Sunday mornings. Uh. So like yesterday's race was at one o'clock Eastern time. It didn't air on. NBC Sports Network until yeah. ten o'clock that night. So you've got you have, there's no real scope for it, is there? It's no. So like at that point, yeah. most people because it was a Sunday night, people have work yeah. the next day. Most people are in bed already, I mean, or people, aren't looking to watch take, uh, MotoGP race uh, that late. Uh, the only the only kind of beacon at the moment is uh, it looks like Amazon are doing some kind of Drive to Survive esque yeah MotoGP documentary. If they have the same oh, kind of that will be amazing. same kind of attention to detail, especially behind behind the scenes, yeah. as the F1 Drive to Survive, which I absolutely love, mm. I think that can be a great market mm-hmm. for Dorna to push around, whether mm. it be the US or whatever, because Amazon's so accessible worldwide. That can yeah. show a great side to MotoGP outside yeah. of Europe. Mm. I mean, you just go around ask ask people. Do you have an Amazon Prime account? And yeah. I yeah, guarantee most, you, everyone holds their do, hand yeah. up. And it, I mean, it, for Prime Video to come with your Prime account, it's 
everyone has it. it so it's very accessible for everybody. It's almost yeah. like there was uh, Netflix. Think, yeah, but I think it was always going to happen, like Amazon Prime and, and MotoGP doing some kind of Netflix, um, Netflix-style documentary, you know, because they're exact opposites, really. You mm-hmm. know, I think Coca-Cola is to F1 what, like, Pepsi is to MotoGP, so to speak. You know, yeah. they're, they're exact opposites. And <laughs> someone's, you know, you either pick one or the other, or you have both. <laughs> Yeah, right. I, to be fair, I've I've met a lot of people through whether it be through F1 Twitter or Discord or any kind of social media that are very new F1 fans, and then you you know you get talking, and they they came from Drive to Survive. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's a very popular, Drive to Survive. And it's a great yep. way of introducing I, just you know the the normal mundane person mm. to a a series that they don't really know much about, but can get easily engulfed in. Because I found myself, as soon as I watched the first episode of Drive to Survive, I was hooked straight away. Mm. It's a great way, I think, of just showing a normal person a a real in-depth view of what I think, to be honest, I think the MoGP paddock compared to F1, I think F1 you get a little bit more insight just because of the amount of production that goes on. Yeah. Whereas GP, you kind of see the outskirts and like, you know, how things go, but just yeah. seeing that little bit behind the armor, I think will be great. It will, because don't forget, like F one, uh, most of the bases are in England. Mm-hmm. You know, it's quite a, it's quite an Anglo a sport, really, compared yeah. to like MotoGP, which is very Spanish, very Italian, very very Japanese tough to factories. Wear. Yeah, and, and Japanese factories yep. who were obviously never never being the most like public. Of, yeah, they of are. Types. It's a very very hidden yeah. thing. Very hidden. Mm. If you if you get into conversation right. with any kind of you know, HRC boss or Yamaha boss about the ins and outs. It's like, we say this much and we don't, we do not tell anybody about Mm. this portion of, of the, you know, the backstories and the behind the scenes, because a lot of people just don't really like sharing that sort of information, but seeing a bit of the antics and how things go on, I think it'd be great for GP fans that want that like ourselves and like I say, like the Monday in person, I, I think it's a great mm-hmm. channel to go down. It is definitely, definitely. But we've been, we've gone on a bit of a tangent, really, haven't we? But yeah, yeah. So uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be back with the qualifying. So this is the break. Maybe get a drink of water, grab a snack, maybe. Get back to that project you've been putting off. I mean, we don't have to say it here. We all we all know what it is. Uh, but yeah, let's get back to the show. And we're back. <laughs> so, like I said, we're going to get into qualifying now. Um, in Q1, in dead last, again, we have Lorenzo Salvadori. Mm-hmm. Um. Don't say the next one, please. I, 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 can we just two, skip it? Can we? Can we just? It's on the form right in front of me. <laughs> in a career worst start. Oh, don't uh, say that. Don't say that. <laughs> I'm just going off what the commentators said on the broadcast. It, it's Rossi. In, uh, I don't know. I don't know what else to um, say. I mean, he I... only he did. Seven laps. Well, yeah, he did seven laps, which was about the average for everyone in qualifying. Uh, his speed was up there. He had a top speed of three thirty six point four. 
the only thing I'll say on that is I think the people that are writing him off, I've got very short memories because last week he's qualifying in P4 mm. and yeah. this week he's qualifying in 21st. So if, yeah. if it was Rossi, if it was Vinales, if it was Oliveira, I'd pick any name out. If that happened to anybody, I would say, well, that's got to be some kind of setup issue. They've got yeah. to have something wrong like with the bike. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he was... Like during qualifying, and obviously we'll move on to the race. But he was saying it was the soft tire, the rear soft was just yeah. it was just a non-starter. They just couldn't get it to work on that bike. I think Morbidelli <laughs> might have had the same issue, to be honest. But I mean, um, yeah, this like you said, this is a seven-time world champion. Like this is this isn't like he's fallen off the horse. This isn't that he's yeah dropped off the cliff. This was one race. If they probably didn't get the bike dialed in perfectly. I mean, do you want me? I, do, you, do you want me to give you a little bit of a stat that sure. if Valentino would have qualified with the same time as he did last week, this week, where do you think he would have finished? Uh, oh, Ooh. I, everyone improved massively, but I'd, I'd probably go. I don't know, seventh, eighth, seventh and eighth. And Matt, what do you think? His time last week, 12th? Valentino would have lined up this weekend, just gone, in a lovely second place. Wow, really? Holy, oh, Shit. man. Well, I'm, I'm thinking, like, point... everyone's improved. So yeah. he... Valentino was 1.7 seconds slower than he was last week, which Jeez. just goes to show... It ain't always the same, whether it's the mm. same track or whether it's the yeah. same setup or whatever. It's never the same. And that's it, a bunch of the riders were you know, saying in interviews, they're like, oh, well, you know, the, the interviewer would ask, well, do you expect the same thing? And they're like, well, no, it's a completely different race. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah. You never know how the conditions are going to change. And this shows it right here. You know, for someone who placed fourth in the last race and, like you said, could have been second in that race, if he would have posted this time, it's, you know, it's completely different. And everyone had so much more data to go off of. So they were able to improve from last week. Mm. Yeah. It's a little bit weird because like I said, I mean, Rossi's not necessarily done the same lap time and then mm -hmm. everyone else has improved. He's actually gone back. He's done 1.7 seconds slower this week right. than the previous week. So, you know, he's obviously done something with a setup or, whatever to try and get that race pace or maybe just in general feel comfortable with the bike and in that his one lap pace has just gone completely just gone yeah he, he probably tried to sacrifice that one lap pace for for better race pace yeah um, mm -hmm. because of course that last weekend it, it didn't really pan out yeah and you saw him well, drop yeah. back so yeah i mean last week it, it started great with being in fourth and then like mm. you say that the race pace last week just went backwards so mm. Trying to find that sweet spot for Valentino is going to be very difficult because it yeah. seems Petronas have got more problems than, well, I think they've ever had, really. I don't think yeah. they've ever been in a position like they are at the minute. But, um, but yeah, we, we, we can move on from Valentino, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Swiftly. So, uh, next, Lacawona. Um, Anea Bastianini in finishing ninth. Brad Bender in eighth. Yeah. Danilo Petrucci in seventh. Nakagami in sixth, Paul Espargaro in fifth, Alex Marquez in fourth, Luca Marini in a surprising third. Mm. Yeah. Um, it, like at one, I, I was watching Q1 and 
the commentators lost their minds when he went top. Yeah, I mean that. That what was it? Eight was it? Eight thousandth of a second between he, yeah between yeah. Marini and Levera. That was just so close. I, I I was quite gutted to be honest. Marini didn't make it, mm-hmm. um, but it, it, just to get that time and especially with him, you know, having to adapt to that bike because he's so lanky. <laughs> um, I think he's he's done well. So hats off to him on that qualifying result. Yeah, I think to be fair with Marini, he can look on these last two weeks as a massive improvement from one mm. week to the next. Yeah, he has gone from step to step kind of thing from last week. Last week, he, especially in testing, he was complaining, saying, you know, I'm not really comfortable on the bike. And to say he'd gone from not even being comfortable sat on yeah. the bike, he physically looked awkward on the bike mm. to, you know, second race weekend. And you challenge him for a spot in Q, Q2. I think that's a massive step, really. Mm. Yep. Yeah, and he set the uh, top speed in Q1 with a 343.9. Yeah. Good. What's that in miles per hour? I'll do uh, that. Oh, <laughs> don't make me do math. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what for you. Uh, Google. 3.9. That is 213 miles an hour. Wow, that's pretty, yeah, yeah. That's pretty quick. That is well. That is yeah. Very, what's that? Um, the top speed record's two two five. So, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, nothing to shake a stick at, really. Just yeah, and then, just the measly two hundred twenty-five yeah. miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. You know, just simple. <laughs> um, but then the top two that advanced to Q two were Miguel Oliveira and Juan Mir. Which, I mean, at this point, can we really? Is it that big of a deal if Mears in Q1? I think we've come to expect it. He, I think he was a yeah. little bit fortunate because at first it looked like he wasn't going to go out on that that, that last run. Yeah, um, it was very much a tyre allocation kind of thing, wasn't it? it yeah. He, was, he didn't and, want to waste mm-hmm. another tyre. But I don't think I, I don't think he would have made out of Q1 if he hadn't gone out again. No. If, was that right? No. I agree. No. Yeah. I don't think, in fact, I think mathematically, like on this actual first time, I don't think he would have made it out. Mm. But I, to be fair, I think uh, Miguel, I, I think that's quite a, a very good result for them, really, because KTM yeah. have struggled massively. So for them to get in Q2 with yep. the amount of riders in there, I mean, you can see fourth, fifth and sixth, you've got three Hondas, one yeah. of them being the factory Honda. So, mm. you know, you, you're not exactly fighting back markers, so to speak. But, you know, you've got a couple of Ducatis in there with Bastianini and Marini, which... Mm. I mean, anyone on a Ducati through Qatar is going to be going to be decent because they probably gained yeah. half a second down that straight. So, mm. you know, was, that's I, a good result for for Miguel. Definitely, I was I was I was expecting Paul to make it through, really. But I just, yeah, yeah, Honda are very much is yeah. analysis of Honda at the minute. I don't think they're. Uh, I think they're. Very, very eager to get Marquez back. Is yeah, they're a nice way of putting it. Mm-hmm. And you asked if uh, Mir would have made it into Q two without going out that second mm-hmm. time. If he hadn't, he would have finished behind Alex Marquez. Yeah. So, all right. So it'd have been fifth. Then, yeah. No, he would have been fourth because then it would have pushed Oliveira oh, yeah. to oh, one, yeah. Yeah. Marini yeah. to two, Marquez to third, and then he would have been slotted at fourth between Marquez and Paul Sparger. Mm, that was a so that would have been Mearslan from four. Yeah. yeah, wow. So, Oof. but moving on to Q two, uh, 
placing 12th, Miguel Oliveira. So he made it. <laughs> he made it to Q. Yeah, hey, KTM. KTM have definitely yeah. struggled around. Yeah, yeah. We've, uh, we've not realized the kind of true potential, I don't think. Um, no, definitely not. Yeah, as I sit here in my Red Bull KTM racing team tank top. <laughs> I think Miguel will definitely be looking uh, forward to the yeah, next round, put it that way. Not only going home, but from last year, I think I think he'll be looking forward to it mm-hmm. personally. I think he'll uh, mm. he'll want to set the record straight. Yeah, and then placing above placing eleventh, Stefan Bradl. Well, a little, which yeah, turn up for the box. I mean, really, who who rather him <laughs> to make it not only straight to Q two, but I mean eleventh. That's not a bad place for yeah. He he beat Paul Spargo. He's a, for a test rider. He's he seems to be holding mm-hmm. his own. Um, he's getting used to the, you know, he's getting more used to the bike. He did a, he did a full season on it last season, uh, pretty much. And he, he seems to be warming to it. It's, so, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's crazy to think though. If you'd have said to me ten years ago, in like around the Stoner mm. kind of time, maybe the introduction to Mark Marquez with Pedrosa, and if you'd have said to me just then when Matt's just said that's not that's quite a good result for Honda eleventh, I would have been what thinking. In what world <laughs> is a Red Honda in eleventh a good result? But it that's is, where we're at now. Yeah. It's you know without Marquez, they, they they have got to sit there and you know accept that without him, they yeah, are this, miles. Yeah, off. this is like this is like Hamilton crashing out, injuring himself, and then Mercedes suddenly being you know mid pack. This is like yeah. the equivalent. Yeah, it quite literally is. I mean, you look at twenty nineteen. Marquez was either if he wasn't on the track, you know, if he, if he, if it had crashed. Other than that, I think which was two races. I don't want to get it wrong. I think it was two races. He crashed or didn't finish. Other than that, he was either first mm. or yeah. second. Right. And you look at Honda now, and you take that man out of it, and their good result. Which Matt, I completely agree. I, I completely agree that eleventh in a qualifying for Honda at the minute is mm-hmm. good, so to speak. But just look how the mighty have fallen. It, it, in that well, I mean, we mentioned it in our uh, our first episode when we went over the teams and everything. They finished ninth last season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like <laughs> like Josh said, that would be like Hamilton if if Hamilton like crashed out and had to miss the season and they didn't have you know, a good second driver. It'd be like Mercedes finishing just above Haas. Mm. Yeah, it's a little bit like with the Ferrari is, situation yeah. here. Yeah. At the minute, yep. But it's yeah. it's a lot worse. But it, it is mm-hmm. a lot worse because Ferrari got fifth, yeah. I think. They were, so, yeah, they, they were, they were nowhere near. Sixth. But, you know, Honda, ninth in MotoGP. How many teams are there last year? Was there 12? I want to go with 12 because I think there's been one added since the I VR46. Think as well, it dep- yeah, I think so. I mean, it also depends sometimes. Yeah, so let, let's just say 12, like ninth. Yeah. For Repsol Honda, if you'd have said they finished ninth in the constructors, like before mm. 2020, if you'd have said, I'm going to predict Honda to finish ninth, you'd be like, as Marquez just yeah. left the earth or like, you know, what's what's happened? Like, it, it, so, yeah, they've they've got big, big things. But to, it, it, it to speaks do, volumes, definitely. you know, for Marquez, that people genuinely believe that if he comes back from, say, Portugal onwards, that he can, you know, win the title. And and with yeah. that bike, apparently, um, 
I personally, I don't think it's, it would happen, even if he did come back from Portugal. I, I mean, that bike is a different bike to what he rode. And mm -hmm. it, again, it, he's going to need some time to get back into the swing of things. But yeah. I think the hardest thing with the market situation at the minute is the almost unknown in that it's not like a, a, a dislocated collarbone or a broken leg where you th you've mm. seen riders from that before come back and you think, yeah, it'll take maybe a weekend to just bed in and then they're, they're all right. Nobody's had what Marquez has had no. with this arm right. where you, you don't know what level he's going to come back at because there's a level of coming back and riding around and there's a level of coming back and having your elbows yeah. out and yeah. fighting for race. You know, it, that's there's, there's a big, big difference there. And not knowing that is the mm. biggest guess to try and like pinpoint for when Marquez does come back. How is he going to yeah. respond? How so is he going to return? I'm sure, uh, you know, behind the scenes, the doctors have probably said, if look, if you go back prematurely and have another crash like, like you know, you had in Jerez, then your career's over, basically. Well, that's the thing. Like, if he does, I mean, th there's no guarantee that when he comes back, he's not going to throw mm. it down into the scenery. So if he does... And he does land on that arm, which, as we all know, is very <laughs> likely in MotoGP mm -hmm. to land on an arm or a hip or a leg or whatever. Arms being more susceptible as, you know, him going down and putting his hands down first. If he puts enough weight down on that arm, how is it going to react? More. How is it going to, is it going to break again? Is those metal plates going to bend or, you know, it, it could be career defining on how or when he comes back and how mm. he treats it. Because if he goes hell for leather and throws it down the road and injures himself, well, I think um, I think it's going to be yeah. an interesting one. Whichever way it goes, it's it's very hard to mm. predict. Right. Let's continue on with Q2. Uh, tenth, Franco Morbidelli. I mean, it, again, going back to the Rossi thing, you know, how does one the same team get two bikes so wrong? Mm. Yeah. Like for one to qualify 10th and the other to qualify 21st. Yeah, it's, it, it, that's at the moment. I mean, there's there's a few kind of, I think there's already been a few shocks this season and, and Patronus Yamaha not really, you know, being anywhere near the front is one of them. Uh, yes, it's, it's Qatar and we can't, we can't just base everything on on two races at the same track, but still, it you know, but it, the Petronas Yamahas, especially from where they were last season, should not be this far down. Mm -mm. No, I mean the the race before the start of the season began in Portimao, they were mm. third. Morbidelli finished in third, I think. Yep, at Portimao, you know, challenging for podiums, and now he's challenging to make it into <laughs> the points in a race. It's, right. You know, it's it's very, very mm. weird. Yeah. And then uh ninth we got Juan Mir and eighth we got Alex Ren. So we got the two Suzuki's at ninth and eighth. Yeah, better uh better, um, better one lap pace for them this time, it seems. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially Mir and Q two. I mean to make it through Q one and then to set a a slightly better time mm. in Q two. I mean, we've, we've seen this again, like I said before, when we just talked about Mir and Q1. This is kind of what we've come to expect from Suzuki. Yeah. They're not going to set a pole time. Mm. They're more for race pace. Yeah. They're more for getting to the end of the race and being able to challenge the top positions. Mm. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it's quite a known thing in the paddock that if Suzuki managed to fix a one lap pace, the rest of the 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 teams are very yeah. very scared mm-hmm. because if they hit the front, it's a little bit like Yamaha 2015-2014 kind of time when they were they were really hitting those those peaks with the Yamaha in terms of Jorge and Rossi mm. being competitive enough to both be suited to the bike where if they got to the front, they were off. That you had to react straight away, and you could see that that this this race just gone, Rins got in front and Zarka was straight back at him because he knew if he didn't and he got past Martin, then Rins yeah. would have cleared off or mm-hmm. at least stretched out the pack, which Ducati mm-hmm. didn't want. So, if Suzuki can figure it out and they can manage to fix out that one lap pace, they're a lot more dangerous than what they already yeah. are. That's for sure. I think sure. they're very they're going to yeah. be very careful not to sacrifice the race pace for the one lap pace though. So I think it's going to be a slow and steady yeah. kind of development rather than a a, a kind of a, a race weekend fix. All right. Yeah, I don't think they're going to like rebuild no. a part of the bike to try and, you know, fix for one lap because they know as well that they've got riders mm. on there that can push through the pack. So they'll kind of sacrifice that one lap pace. But it's like you say, I think it's just minimal adjustments to try and just edge up so the, the mm. front two rows is their biggest goal. Yeah, and then moving up to seventh, we have Alicia Spargo. And like I, like I said with the Petronas team, how does one team, the same team, get one bike in seventh and the one bike in dead mm. last? That's a... Uh... I mean, I, I feel like this one more comes down to... Because Rossi and Morbidelli are both very, like, very good riders. This comes down to Alicia's a much better rider yeah. than yeah. Salvadori. And I think as well, I think that Aprilia having been there for a lot, lot longer, I think, and he's kind of committed to Aprilia. Mm-hmm. That bike is built yeah, for Alicia. Oh, yeah. So, because, you know, if you've got a rider that's been there, what's well, been there like five years now? Yeah. And you've kept in the whole way, and, you know, he's your number one. And he says, look, I can't do this with a bike. They're going to build that bike for that guy rather than the guy that they want to help Alish. So I think it's a little bit harsh with Savador at the minute from Aprilia's point of view to kind of expect him to be near mm. Alish. But yeah, there's a, there's a big, big gap there. But yeah, seventh from... I mean, he was yeah. dead last, wasn't he? I mean, Savidori, Aprilia, so. mm-hmm. we know Aprilia yeah. treats the riders from time to time. So I, I can imagine... Yeah. I, I, I won't be surprised if Savador is gets the boot and Davizio so, or, or someone else rides from yeah, halfway through the season or or from next season. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think Savadori's best bet is just to keep yeah. his mouth shut and get on with it. Because yep. I think anybody in Aprilia that's kind of said, well, hang on a minute, this is, this is not really fair or this is not right or we need to improve, I think they've kind of just, well, they, they've, no. they don't really like it, so... Yeah, it's it's a very touchy and mm. awkward subject with the Prillia. Mm-hmm. It's something that I think you need people that have been there and done it to, yeah. to comment on. Right. But, yeah, from the outside in, it looks a bit mm. sketchy. And moving up, we got uh, Peko Benyaya uh, qualifying sixth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just real quick, stellar lap from him. Yeah. Um, he wasn't able to break the 152 like he did last week, but I mean, Sixth, and especially when you look at the other riders around him, I mean, aside from maybe the top two, you would assume like this is going to be your start, your mm. top four at most races. 
Yeah, I think it, I think people again from last weekend they were expecting maybe to be higher placed than he ended up being. But I, again, I mean, sixth is still just from where to start. I think six is, is as we know, you know the, how well the Ducatis do off the line. It's not really a, an issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then moving up, uh, Fabio Quattararo, P5, uh, P4, Jack Miller, P3, Maverick Vinales. Mm. So, like, th- those three right there, like, those, like I said, them and Bangaya, you expect them to be your top four going yeah, forward. Yeah. Like, what, like, one of those will be in yeah. the top four most of the time. Unless something awful happens. Yeah, yeah I, I'd agree with that. I, I think if they weren't in the top four, like you say, I think it would be, you know, w- w- what's happened because uh, Factory Honda's not no. going to challenge for it. I think for both Suzuki's to be in a top four, you'd be, it would be a rarity mm. to see them both up there. Right. Um, and, you know, both Pramax and both Suzuki's is the only combination I can see being in the top four and it not being yeah. a Factory yeah. Ducati in a Yamaha. Right. That's the only lineup I can think. And, like we mentioned earlier, two Suzuki's in a top four for qualifying is like a blue moon. So, yeah. yeah and then, you know, P2, Johan Zarco. I mean, this man is going for it yeah, this season. Like, definitely. He he knows this is his, basically like a ride or die season. Mm, I think he's, he's a man reborn, really. Um, mm-hmm. Apparently he's got a new team manager. Uh, or he started, you know, doing a lot of, of things himself, which he wasn't before, um, which seems to have helped a lot. Yeah, I, I think with Zarco, I think I said it before the the Qatar race. With with him, I think a lot of people kind of just expect yeah. him to be there or thereabouts. But I, I do think it's a case of with Johan. He even said it at the start of the year that. He sees this now as I've got the tools, mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. I'm going for it. And even Martin said after the race, he said, "I know that me diving up the inside of Zarco in the last corner mm-hmm. isn't what I should be doing." You know, it's, it's right. a team, it's a team thing. And I and he even briefly mentioned, I don't know if anybody noticed it, but he briefly mentioned, and it kind of not gave it away in a sense, but it announced it if you like that he said, you know, Johan's goal is to yeah. go for the title. So right. it's clear that within Pramac, they expect mm. him to go for it because he's put that on himself as though to say, you know, there's no factory team in Pramac. You know, mm. I'm going for it. Whether I'm not in the factory team or not, I'm, there's no mm. holding back. It's also an audition, or he's auditioning for the factory seat because it is, it is what he wants. Yeah. It is, I mean, well, by the looks of it, you might as well stick with Pramac, but um, it it is his goal. And with Jack yeah. Miller... I think what are the contracts are they on Miller and Bang Bangnaya? They're not on. They both got. I think two, two years. Contracts. I think. I think it'd probably be a two or maybe th- yeah three at the most. Um, nothing more. I think there is a, a there is a chance that he can get a a factory Ducati seat, especially if say, I mean Jack Miller. Obviously, we'll we'll discuss in detail a bit during the when we review the race. But you know, he's, if you have performances mm-hmm. like that, race in race out, that's going to seat's going to look a lot more available. Yeah, which is really not what you'd have no, expected to be saying two not. weeks ago because m- me included and a lot of people was like, this is mm. Jack's time. Qatar, uh, you know, a very Ducati strong track. It's, you know, factory team. He, he's he's mm. rode the bike coming from Pramac. This is his time to shine. And 
these two weeks have not really been what I expected no. from Jack at all. But yeah, moving up to pole position. Um, somebody, we, I did not see this coming. I mean, it, it, go back to, I forget what episode it was. We couldn't remember no, this we, guy's we totally name forgot. at I mean, one point. It's, it's probably, that's the reason he's put it on pole. I think he's probably listened to the episode. <laughs> yeah, to shut us up. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. listened to that podcast and was like, I'll show you. I think he did say in the pre-press, uh, the pre-weekend press conference, I think he said, look, yeah. I listened to the Red Sector and they don't know who I am, so I'm going to have to show them. I mean, oh, Jorge Martin, just like, I've never, I don't think I've ever heard the MotoGP, MotoGP commentators like lose it <laughs> that hard over mm. a pole because this is really like something to see I, I was i was sitting my son had a soccer game that day and we're like we were getting ready to leave and i'm sitting down i'm eating something real quick and i'm watching this on my phone and my son goes daddy can we go i'm like dude you have to wait a minute this is this is something deep, like important here yeah because like to see him to see a rookie come in and do this you know, there, there are people comparing it to Marquez because the last person to have a pole this early in their career yeah. was Mark. Yeah, the last guy, yeah. I mean, he's in very, very mm. good territory because mm -hmm. Lorenzo did it in his first one. Um, Marquez did it in his third one at uh, Cota, actually. So for Martin to do it in his second mm. race... Yeah, I think he, very, very good territory. He, to be with I, him. I, the commentators were saying about how you know Ducati have pulled a blinder here with picking him with signing him because he they had eyes on him from a long time ago. Because uh, I think it was Martin, he was destined for was he destined for KTM if I'm not mistaken? Well, that's what they wanted to they, they wanted to keep it very within yeah. the Red Bull kind of KTM scheme because obviously he yeah. came through Red Bull yeah. Rockies Cup. So he's always been yeah. a Red Bull athlete. So, I mean, he still is, but they, they really wanted that, that, you know, because Red Bull fund KTM mm. quite a lot. It was very much, you know, KTM, Mo3, well, not Mo3, but Red Bull, Red Bull, and then mm. KTM, Red Bull. But Pramac have, you know, shown him what the, the Pramac could do with, with Jack and Peko. And, well, I mean, it looks like he's picked a pretty yeah. good bike. I don't think either would have been a bad bike, but, yeah, it's... um. Seems to be going pretty yeah, well for him. Can't really complain. Mm -hmm. And so, with that, we're going to take another quick, short break. And when we get back, when we come back, we're going to get into the grid positions and then the race review. This is the short break. Back to the show, and we're back. <laughs> we are indeed. We're ready to get into the nitty gritty. Yeah. So. Just to review, uh, between Q1, Q2, the starting grid. So we've got Salvadori in eighth, or on row eight in P22. Bono, uh, Bono close your ears. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, don't, don't do this to me again. Rossi on row seven in P21. Laikawona in P20. Benya, or Bashanini at P19. Bender on row six at P18, Petrucci at P17, Nakagami at P16, row five, we've got Paul Aspargo at P15, 
Alex Marquez at P14, Luca Marini at P13. Row four, we have Miguel Oliveira at P12, Stefan Brado at P11, Franco Morbidelli at P10, row three, Juan Mir at P9, Alex Renz at P8, Alicia Sparger at P7, row two, Peko Benyaya at, at P6, Quateraro at P5, Miller at P4, and on the first row, we've got Maverick Vinales at P3, Johan Zarka at P2, and Jorge Martin at P1. So, start of the race, lights go out, and before we say anything about the Ducati, I have to give Miguel Oliveira some love in here. Yeah. That Woody from Toy Story Rocket meme is getting so much usage in these past two races. <laughs> uh, that's brilliant, that one. Like, the man starts 12th and yeah. is P4 when they hit the first turn. Mm. He didn't stay there, but he was there. I mean, I, I, I thought he'd switch to Ducati momentarily. I thought he jumped the start. <laughs> yeah, there, there were people saying that, to be fair. When um, I, I, I watch it back a, a couple of times because I'm like, he jumped. There's no way he did that like straight like that. Like he he jumped early. And no, he just as soon as those lights went out, he was the first one to go. Well, I mean, if if Miguel Oliveira jumped the start this week, then Jorge Martin must have started doing his race start in yeah. pre-race testing from last yeah. week because it, 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 was ne- the- it was nearly as good as Jorge's, but it was still a brilliant brilliant start from miguel mm-hmm. mm. to come from it, 12th was it 12th you say yeah 12th i mean that is some jump martin started in 14th so if you're looking at the grid miguel was well, fourth they, row they back both, on the right side yeah they both got up to fourth didn't they on the first corner yeah. but so. martin last week would have been one row back and in the middle but if you watch them, when they launch, they both launch and go towards the pit wall yeah. and then like stayed to the inside and then came to the outside as they came into turn one. Mm. Which obviously suits better for Miguel starting on the right-hand side. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, either way, you, you can gloss it up however you want. Both starts. In terms of either week, Qatar GP, best start Martin, Doha GP, oh, yeah. Miguel Oliveira. No, there's not even a question. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, right off the bat, Ducati's had it again. Yeah. Yeah, that that, uh, that, that whole shot device they've got, um, that's just something else in it at the moment. It's just, you know, they're ahead of everyone with that specific technology at the moment. And it, it's particularly the Pramac because... Like Miller and Benyaya actually like dropped back. Yeah, a little bit for the compared, compared to the Pramax. I know what you mean, but because like Martin and Zarco stayed in the same spots at the end of lap one. Miller, who started fourth, ended up eighth at the end of the first lap, and Benyaya was back to eleventh, and he started sixth. Mm. Yeah. Now from there they moved up, but it's just like I don't know if they just didn't have a good start, or if they just got gobbled up in with other bikes 
But mm. I mean, that Pramac launch, if we've seen it two weeks in a row. Yeah, we have. It's it is scary, and I think obviously, it's going to be you know, it's going to be hard to to compete with going through the season um, from any other mm-hmm. manufacturer. Uh, so I think we we kind of we should know that you know race starts we're going to see Ducatis if they're not at the front we're going to see them at the kind of at the front by by the first corner. Um, but it, I guess it's whoever crosses the, the the finish line at the end is where it counts. So right. Um, and I mean, as far as like stuff going on in the race, I mean, the the big thing everyone's talking about is the Miller mirror incident. Yeah, mm. and because mm. I mean th- this race, it had a lot of action. Yep, but like that seemed to, other than Martin keeping the lead up until lap eighteen, mm. the other big story was Miller and Mir. Yeah, I, and, I actually put a poll out on Twitter and basically put, "Do you think Miller was at fault?" And the results came back with ninety-five percent of people saying yes. Mm. And I. Yeah. I, d- I didn't vote in that poll, but I will agree with that because the way I looked at it, the first incident with Mir tapping Miller, Mir's yeah. making a move. It's a it's a racing incident. He he knows he's not faster than the Ducatis down the straight, so he's like, I have to make my move here in a corner where I know I can get him because otherwise I'm not going to be able to make this move. Mm. Was it a little, bra- like, did it take some guts to make that move? Yeah, that's that's a dive bomb. And you could tell because as soon, like, he didn't hold the line. He actually, like, came out a little wide. So he did take that corner a little too fast. Yeah. But you could tell it, it wasn't intentional. You know, he even, if you watch in the replay, he puts his right leg yeah, up. I was just about like, to Almost say as that. like a wave yeah. to be like, hey. Sorry, yeah. didn't mean to hit you. That's what a lot of people on Twitter have not realized as well. Is that, and it's a great point to mention, Matt, because I, I originally, on the first glance, watching it live and on the first replay, I didn't see that from me. And whether he yeah. did that or not, you know, I, I mean, I think Jack Miller can speak more than anyone that Robin is racing in my, mm-hmm. but he, you know, he, he's done it to people before and stuff like that. And oh, yeah. even though he did make contact, Mir has always been a clean rider aggressive mm-hmm. but clean and yep. you know he did put a leg out as i'd say you know sorry about that but whatever and i think the main incident everybody else is talking about with the coming onto the straight is yeah. having watched it many times i think miller doesn't it, it, it almost looks like he's he's aiming for me to like put something on him to say almost ah, i got you back but I think it turned out a little bit more intentional than what he thought. Yeah, I think from what I've seen and watching it over and over again, from what I can take from it, you know, going into it, obviously it wasn't, I don't think from Miller it was premeditated. He wasn't lining himself up to smash into Mia, but I think almost as he's coming around the corner, almost he's probably realised what's going to happen, that he's going to go into Mia. And he just thought, you know what, I'm just going to kind of, I'm just going to let this happen. I'm not going to try and that, avoid yeah. this. Yeah, I think it, it was it was going to happen. Like it was inevitable that it was going to happen. Mm. But like you mm-hmm. say, I think Miller was kind of like in the mindset of, well, it's going to happen, and well, you know, he's just not he's nerfed me off. I think it was like the same lap or the lap before yeah. or whatever. 
So let's, yeah, let's it was just the get same one. lab. Yeah, let's just yeah. get one back on him. And it's I've got the opportunity. I might as well. It's a little you know. bit. I don't know. I think it's a bit sour grapes from Miller personally. I think it's a little oh, bit. Yeah. You know, he didn't need to do it. He mm. could have just moved on, and then to then be waving at him after it. I think if you put yourself in either one of those shoes, being me, you'd feel like, well, I've I've overtaken you, and, and I've apologized for making contact. Mm. The, the overtake was still clean. Like you know, it wasn't dirty racing or anything he, he put his leg mm -hmm. out and then from and, that he's been nerfed off on the street and it's like uh, yeah and and judging by the positioning as well it, that ducati probably would have taken the position back on the street yeah exactly yeah yeah and that's it it, it wasn't like miller turned into mirror but it like you said it was like that thing where it's like well this is my trajectory and i'm gonna hit him and i'm I don't really care because I'm getting them back. Yeah, he kind of made a bit of a meal of it to try and get one back on him. Yeah, and I, I just think, you know, if you'd have seen that in Moto3, a bit like we were talking about earlier with, with John being at the age that he's at, you know, mm -hmm. Jack Miller knows better than that. You don't, he doesn't mm -hmm. need to be getting involved in little, you know, kind of scabby fights like that. He, just let it blow over your head. Like uh, Josh said, mm -hmm. he's going to get him back down the street anyway. Because Mir actually yeah. ran, Mir ran wide. And that Ducati is going to blitz past it. So, you yep. know, just show him um, on track that you don't need to be getting involved in anything like that anyway. You can move on from it. I, I just didn't really see why mm. you know, he made a meal of it. And I I mean, I understand being, like, upset that it happened. But, like like you said, you're going to blow past him. As you blow past him, like, wave a hand up or, like, flip him off yeah. something. Yeah. You don't have to hit into him because all you're going to do – like, what happens – if Miller, you know, hits him in the wrong place and dumps Miller or dumps Mir. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think, I think like, intentionally hitting anybody in racing is wrong. Like, yeah. unless yeah. it's like, I mean, going for like a last lap, last corner lunge, that's all. I, I can see the side to that with, you know, you're not, you're not trying to hit them, but you're putting the mm -hmm. roughest overtake you can on them. I get that. Mm. But intentionally, right. like, making the most of hitting somebody is just... For me, I yeah. don't think it's in the it, what's the right way of putting it. It's not in the the right mind for the sport necessarily. Mm. It's not in the right. No. Do, you know. do you remember Moto? Was it a couple of years back, maybe, or even last season? Was it Moto Two? Whether I, I don't even know if it was in MotoGP, but that that rider pulled up to the other one and um, grabbed his front brake. Oh, you're on about with Fanati and uh, Mizano in 2018, I think it was. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's. A, I mean, it's that, the Miller incident is nowhere near on the scale. Oh no, that, it's not but, the same. No, that, that in, in was, terms of you know that was ridiculous. That was in, so. in terms of like intentionally trying to, you know, off like you know, charge into someone or you know something like that. It can th these things can have like serious effects if it goes wrong. Yeah, because you know? mm -hmm. again, it's like if one person does it, and with what we've seen. It, nothing comes from it then i mean i'd be more inclined to think well fair enough but if if mir goes into portimao and goes at the inside of jack miller and does give him some elbow more than he would mm. normally I, I i'd be you know I, I wouldn't feel uncomfortable him doing that because he's thought well i've been nerfed off you know yeah. i've had my, the hand thrown at me lost a couple of positions from him hitting me and nothing's happened mm. so yeah I think if you were me, you'd feel very hard done by really considering with the respect that he gave Miller, you know, yeah. I, I think, I think you would be a little bit annoyed. Definitely. But, um, I don't know if you, if you, if you want to just run through the order quickly as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's what I was going to say. We can just run through the order. Um, two not classified in like Wona and Alex Marquez. 
Um, it says lap. They both did 10 laps. Did they take each other out? Who's this? Uh, Lacorna and Marquez. Like Awona and Marquez. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure. They yeah. both went out in the same lap. I don't lap. think they I, took each I other out. I don't think they did. No. No. Because no. on when I watched when I was watching the broadcast, it didn't show them going down. It just like I I've what lap was this? This was lap lap twelve. Right. Yeah, I, I don't I don't weird? think they um, they took each other out. I, I think I think you would have probably seen it or heard about yeah, it. Yeah, there would if, have been something. But yeah, uh, I mean, the corner again. I just. Uh, you kind of forget he's even in the race, and yeah, and with Marquez, it, it, no surprise that he's crashing out again. I think there's something really going on. I think both of them bikes have struggled I, massively, haven't they? Mm. Qatar anyway, but yeah, I, I like I've said earlier, I think Honda are very much in the uh, the deep end, if you like, than what people yeah, really a, think that they they're are. A, they're up a certain creek without a paddle at the moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. um. <laughs> yeah, uh, moving up into the into the finishing positions. Uh, 20th place, we have Salvadori. Don't really need to say much there. <laughs> uh, 19th, we have Petrucci. I think it would be worth pointing out the gap from Salvadori to the next place up. Yeah, there was a, he was... Sa- Petru- so the, the chart I have here shows me from the leader. Yeah. Salvadori was... 38.775 seconds okay. back. Petrucci was 16.779 seconds. Yeah. So Petrucci True. is easily, what, 24 seconds well, back? Well, is more than Petrucci. away from Petrucci than what he is from the race. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, if that makes sense, like you could double Petrucci's time and he still would be in front of Salvadori. It's. It's not right. Great, it's, isn't, it? No, it's almost as if like Salvador is just some Aprilia me- mechanic who's been told to just get on the bike and <laughs> give it a ride. For the, I mean, he he's at least finished both I mean, races. Yeah. I know so, he's injured. To be fair, to be fair, he, he is still recovering. Yeah, we'll, we'll, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, but, injury or not, I, I mean, as we said, yeah. the, the brashness of Aprilia is just going to look at it and be like, you know what? Yeah. If we can get Dovi on that, let's get him on it. So. Definitely. Right. I think if we, if say, um, Alish was 19th, uh, there wouldn't be so much pressure on him. But obviously, Alish is doing quite well on the other bike. So yeah. there is a lot of pressure on him now. Yeah. Um, yeah, we got Petrucci 19th. 18th, we've got Marini. Uh, 17th, we got Nakagami. 16th, Rossi. So he, he did make up some places. Uh, yeah, he, I mean, two of the bikes uh, were they in front of him when it? Yeah, so Marquez and uh, Iguana were in front of him mm. when they crashed, so he gained two spots there automatically. Mm. I, I think he, I think he has to be saying that bike is just not up to scratch at all in terms of, like I said earlier, I mentioned about the the softs. Apparently that. The rear soft is really is not working with that bike as it should be, yeah. Um, and it, mm-hmm. it, obviously, it's meaning that you just cannot be competitive all that for, for the whole race. He's kind of just got nurse it round, which is which it isn't going to get you a, at your two hundredth podium if you're having to nurse a bike for the whole race. Yeah, they've got to pull the finger out, right? Throwing big time to do because I, I'm I'm really not confident of you know this time 
this time last year, I, pro- I probably would have put my house on Rossi getting his 200th career podium. But this, this, you know, at the moment, I'm really not that confident. Other than Assen, which he, you know, he loves that track, but I don't. I'm not very confident. Well, I mean, getting his 200th this podium. time last year, in terms of if we're talking like second race in, wasn't mm. Rossi on the podium? Was it first or second race? Either way, the Jerez race, he did finish mm. on the podium. Second. There. So I don't care if he's. 19 or if he's 29 39 42 whatever age he's at you don't go one year winning getting on the podium and then a year later not being physically capable of being near a podium do you know what i mean like whether it's whatever age if if you could get on the podium at 50 you're not going to go from that and 51 be like oh i can't i can't get anywhere near it do you know what i mean like he Mm. so i'm saying physically he is still there i i oh yeah he's still Careful. I mean, he's obviously he's, he's still world class. He's still got the talent. It's just that bike. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like that's how much of a step they've got, though. Because, like you said, this time last year you'd have put your house on it for him to be in and around a podium, which mm. he was. He, you know, right. he, he got on the podium, especially so. his two hundredth, which I think is 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 um, I think if before he thinks about retiring at the moment, he wants that two hundredth podium. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, but yeah, moving up. Uh... Miguel Oliveira, uh, what a drop! To watch him, to what? Yeah, to go from fourth on the first mm. lap to fifteenth. I mean, that is. I, I I can't wait for these Red Bull KTM's to get out of Qatar and get back to Europe. Yeah, I mean, to be fair though, it's it's a bit strange you saying that because you know he did drop from fourth to fifteenth. That's fact, but I mm. mean. It got very well announced at the weekend that the top 15 are split between nine seconds. So he's finished 15th on a track KTM I've really, Mm. really struggled around. Yet yet he's nine seconds off the leader. I think it's the closest top 10 and the closest top 15 in the history of MotoGP. Yep, but that's what says a lot. You, yeah, you're fifteenth at the end of the day. Like you, again, you can gloss mm. it up however you like. He's finished fifteenth, but time wise, I don't think they'll be beating themselves up in the case of like we're a mile. No. I believe the the no. fitted a, they had medium rears on this race for Oliveira yeah. and, and Binder, and apparently it did it it did them a well that good with them on the rear. Um, and I guess uh, apparently they, they were saying they were they're probably going to be kicking themselves that mm. they didn't do this last race. Mm. Yeah. Um, right. Well, it's weird with KTM because they said that with Tech Three and having such a big rider like Petrucci, they were going to readapt like the mm. I don't know if it was the chassis or just the general build of the bike, and they found something with that 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 has worked for Binder and Oliveira. So they're now like almost using Petrucci a little bit like what. Patronus are using Morbidelli with the older Yamaha as they were like, you you know, you test a few things out and if they work, yeah, yeah. we'll use them on the big, you know, the, the main bikes, the factory mm. bikes. So it, I think, again, I think it's a bit early doors to be calling out KTM. Yeah. But, I, yeah, they, they need to be hitting a lot higher than what they're already doing with places like Qatar because it's all well and good saying it's not a KTM track, but, you know, Getting yourself down to fourth on the first corner and ending up fifteenth is, mm, you know, that's right. it's not very Oliveira esque, is it? Like he tends no. to get near the front and stay there, no. so it's a bit strange. Yeah, moving up, um, 
the two Repsol Honda boys, we got Stefan Brottle in 14th and Paul Spargo in 13th. And yeah, like I said, with Brottle in qualifying, I mean, this is kind of the best case scenario mm. for him. For Paul, this is bad. Yeah, I think it's still, again, I, I think Paul's, it's like six or one half a dozen of the other because I think he's adapting quite well to the Honda, really. I mean, what mm-hmm. is he, six seconds off the race winner? Yeah, I mean, 6.063. Six seconds off the race winner in your second race on a new bike. Yeah. In the grand scheme of things, is pretty good. But again, mm-hmm. we come back onto this conversation of with no Marquez, he's got to be looking that if Marquez is going to take a while to adapt, or whether he does or doesn't, I think Honda are going to be saying, right, well, you know, we, we've brought you in and replaced Alex Marquez, which Mark Marquez won't be very happy about. But they've mm. done it in the sport of we want two top, top riders that fit the bike to be hitting, you know, podiums. So Aspargro has got right. to look at it in a, in a way of Portimao. He's got to be hitting top 10, I think, really. I think he's got to be in top 10. Yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. I can, maybe behind the scenes with some leeway given to Aspargro saying, look, these two Qatar races are you kind of a test bed, you know, to get used to the bike yeah. in, a, in a racing Selfie, situation. Yeah. Uh, but with, you know the European leg, like, we you need to come out the you know you need to come out swinging, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, P twelve we got Franco Morbidelli. Uh, again, this Patronus bike, it you you got questions Definitely. now. It was that that, you know, that whole it, shot issue was it uh, last race when yeah 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 where he was stuck in whole shot mm, mode and you, you could put that down to it you you know writing morbidelli of ah it's just that whole shot issue that's what's caused it but then this time round i mean again we see him adrift we're not really up there mm-hmm. not fighting not in contention i was halfway through the race i was thinking nah he's going to start fighting through the pack now we'll we'll see him soon but it just never never happened yeah i mean he's to start 10th and then to finish 12th i mean it's it's not awful, but it's not what you want to see. Yeah, I think again with Patronus, you you can kind of look at it whichever way you want to look at it. I think they're still a mile off, and they've got big big steps to make. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, moving up, uh, another surprise finish from Anaya Bastianini. Brilliant result. Five and a half seconds mm-hmm. off the race winner on and five point yeah, five five I mean, zero. Again, that that's let's be honest. That is not. I, I would be inclined to say that and the Tech Three are the and maybe the Aprilia on a bait. Like if if you got a rider that wasn't used to any bike, I think they're the three least competitive bikes that they would say. Do you know what I mean? I think yeah, they're the three. Mm-hmm. So again, second race on one of the least competitive bikes, five and a half seconds off the race mm. winner. That is that's a yep. very very good result for Anaya. He's on last year's Ducati, yeah. I believe. So he's he's done well to to be in eleventh on his on his second race, definitely. Yeah. And then P ten we have Alicia Spargaro again working that Aprilia in places many people didn't think no. it would be. And very this very season. very nearly beat Jack Miller if you look at the timing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Uh, Espargo, well, Miller was a 5.365 back, and Espargo was 5.382. I mean, if you, just, 
yeah. so two hundredths of a second. To anybody before this season had started, that Alicia Spargo is going to finish in front of Jack Miller in one of these Qatar races, you would be saying that Alicia Spargo has either won the race or on the podium. Yeah, because you'd expect I, Jack mm-hmm. Miller to be around the podium. You know, it's, it's crazy. I, I, I mean, and as well, early on, he, he was in the mix up top. Was he maybe fourth or fifth early on in the race? Yeah, um, I think he went into tyre management mode a little bit because yeah, it's like when did. Vinales and Quattararo were around him, it was very much like he, he just kind of stagnated around that position. Mm. But, but I, again, yeah. the Aprilia are not, they're not used to fighting up at the top. So it's its something that's the next step for them, I think, now is to start working on the race strategy and the, the kind of the race pace and managing the tyres all the way through the race. Yeah, which would be good if they got D- uh, Dovi on it because oh, yeah. that would be the first rider they've had that is used to fighting at the front in a MotoGP mm. race that you know knows where that bike should be going in that sense. Right? Yeah, they need that experience. A, yeah, definitely. I think Aspargo is a great rider, and he'll take these. You know, he has taken them from one step to another, but he has never fought for race wins. You know, he, mm. he he's not been there so. If they can get Dovi on it, I mean, I'm not disrespecting Savadori in any way, shape, or form, but I think we all know that that's in the back of Aprilia's mind to try yeah. and get Dovi on it. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like we said at P9, Jack Miller. Um, I mean, between all the stuff with him and Mir, like when that happened, he dropped back. Uh, let me look at the lap chart. When that incident happened, he was in P5, and Mir was in P6. Then when that happened, he dropped back down to P7. Mm. And then for him to finish at P9. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was mentally. I mean, yeah. Th- Very that, mentally, yeah. That, that incident definitely screwed yeah, up mentally. He just wasn't in the same place after that. Self-inflicted, mm-hmm. though. So, yeah, I mean, was, he's only got himself was. to blame. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, basically, you know, you he would if he wouldn't have gotten in his head, like you said earlier, he would have passed Mir down the straight, and probably would have made up a couple spots. Because, like I said, he was when that happened, he was in fifth place. Well, they were coming up the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, Miller and Bang Naya, the wear yeah, they, they working did, the way they? up at like that point. Seven yeah. or eight laps to go, they just started to creep up a little bit. But I know Jack wears yep. his heart on his sleeve, and I think that is a little bit like what Ducati need, and they, mm. they they do like that being European rather than Japanese factories tend to like riders that are very much you know very well reserved kind of riders. But yeah. you know, with Jack. I think it's good that he's got that side to him, but there's a side and a time to use it. Like he, he could have just breezed past me and got on with his race, but there's again, there's no need to get involved with that. And it's like I say, it's self-inflicted and ninth it place. Is. And where did he finish last week? I think it was like fifth, sixth or something. Yeah. He, uh, he's under a lot of pressure. And I think it is it is showing at the moment the, the pressure uh, that, that he's under. He finished ninth last, yeah, oh, ninth really? last week too. Oh, wow, yeah. That I mean, I'll be honest. If you'd have said to me Jack Miller had finished ninth in both races, I'd be saying that mm-hmm. you're lying. But <laughs> it's I, I know it's very early doors, but 
Ducati behind the scenes will not be very happy. Not at all. all. This was this this is seen as their oh, yeah. yeah their season. And I think Katos mm-hmm. keeps getting dressed up as like a Yamaha track, and yes, they've won both races, but there's only one factory there that a boss in the front, like not the front five, so to speak, but are, are dominating all of their bikes. So like, you know, the main 2021 bikes, all of those Ducati 2021 bikes are fine at the front. Mm. So it's their kind of way of whatever mm-hmm. Yamaha don't get, we can pick up or, yeah. you know, we can fight for what they're fighting for. And when you've got like Brad Binder fight, uh, finishing in front of it, you've got, Yoan Mir, Rins, and the likes of all in front of Jack Miller, who Ducati have very, very well known to be to everybody, put down as their man. He is the man. Yeah. Two ninth places right. from two races that you'd expect them to be on the podium, at least, is, I just think it's a bit of a disaster, really, for Ducati. Mm. I think it's very poor from them. I mean, hopefully they can turn it around going forward. Um, but like you mentioned, you know, they're going to be really disappointed, especially because Brad Bender exactly. finished in eighth. Like you've got Brad Bender on a KTM that had the KTMs have not done well. These first two races finishing ahead of the guy that you've said is mm-hmm. your yeah. man. Yeah. And also being beat by I Pecco mean, in both races. Let's not forget that. I mean, yeah. they always say, don't they? First guy you should beat your teammate. Yeah. And if yours put down as the number one man in in the Ducati factory out of six riders, and that guy across from you in the garage is beating you on both occasions, it's it's not great. I mean, I don't want to gloss it up and make it out to be something, you know, like a mountain out of a molehill, but it's I, I would be very gutted if I was Jack. Very, very gutted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got Brad Bender in P8. I mean, for a Red Bull KTM at this track, this is a dream. Yeah. He, he held his own. Um, He's held his it, own all race, to be honest. I think we all know he was never yeah. going to be in the mix for the, you know, for a podium. But to get eighth and to be in within five seconds of of the winner is, is fucking a, a hell of a result for for KTM. You finished, and you figure he started eighteenth. Yeah. Yeah. So to make up ten mm. places, I mean, mind you, two of them were well, no, like one started behind him, but Marquez started in front of him, so he, he was only gifted one mm. position. You know, the other, all the others, he I had. I think no that medium played a, a big, big role in that as well. Yeah, yeah, I was just about to say that. I think, I think the medium that I think with KEM as well, that they are still a very, very, very young factory. Mm. Like people forget that mm-hmm. and they, they think they've been in in the sport for a long long time which they have but not in the factory sense of like the full board project yeah. that they're going for now they're still very young so you know and they've they've got two great riders on it i think binder mm-hmm. and Oliveira is one well, of the two best race winners yeah i think it's one of the best lines oh, yeah. personally i don't think they could ask for a better two people on a ktm no. people that have been on a ktm through the career with them mm-hmm know the the ktm kind of factory they know the you know they're pretty much born and bred ktm aren't they they've gone through every rank with each other they've been teammates with each other before so i don't think in Mm -hmm. an ideal world they could have picked a better pairing so Mm -hmm. it's just a case of moving forward with ktm and just trying to find bit by bit how they can kind of make them 
and places up to to fight for podiums on tracks that they tend to suffer at usually. All right. That's in P7. Um, we got Juan Mir. I mean, we talked a lot about him already. Um, I, this is pretty much a dream. Well, not a, I don't want to say a dream finish, but, but, but given what happened in this race, when after Miller hit him, he dropped back to, mm. I think it was 11th. Uh, ninth. He was ninth. So to be able to not only pass Miller, but to regain some spots, because when that incident happened, he was in P6. Yeah, so that's not that stifled his race massively. I think we would probably yeah. would have seen him in a in a. I, I dare say we would have seen him in a similar position to the the weekend before. You know, up in the in the podium or fighting for a podium spot. You know, if it wasn't for that incident with Miller. I don't think we would have seen him like towards a podium because when you look at some of these other riders that we've got coming, um, mm. they would have made it hard because I mean some of these riders yeah. they were I mean they I'm, were I'm for it. purely off um, like the, P- the late race pace that we know Mia has. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, I think looking at the riders in front of him who's finished above, I don't think with the Suzuki pace and how well like what Matt's just said, how well those guys mm. were doing. I don't think you can be too miffed with seventh, really. No, definitely not. Them no. six above have, I think, as we saw, I think they were just a bit bit better than the rest kind of thing. Mm. Like the best, of the, not the best of the rest, because they, they were the best out of the, out of the lot. So I, you know, but those six for me, <laughs> give especially Bagnai, like we said, I mean, come eight laps to go, he was... He was knocking a few people out of the way and kind of fighting his way forward. So mm. with Miller until the incident, yeah. but yeah, it's not a bad result. Yeah, and talk. Yeah, talking Benyaya. I mean, P six. Yeah, like you were saying at what lap was it? At lap sixteen, he was yeah, in third I think, place. I think again, it's tire management. And what? happened because i'm i'm looking at a they on moto gp's website they have a lap chart at six at lap 16 he's third end of lap 17 yeah, that, that's the, i think we did we see Wait. it not the um the the race no, seven how the, the that kind of lap 15 16 was like the cliff for the Factory ducatis in terms yeah, of the tire wear definitely with jack oh wait didn't he he missed he oh, missed yeah, a yeah, breaking he did, point he did, he did yeah on the front straightaway. Yeah, That's what that was. Pramax and trying to defend against Quattararo, I think it was. He, he got around Quattararo yeah. just behind the Pramac, and then he, he missed his uh, breaking points turn one. Yeah. That's what it was. Mm. Yep. Yeah, end of lap six, end of lap 16, Quattararo's right behind him, and then his laps, end of lap 17, he's down to seven. That, yeah, so that was when he missed the breaking point, ran wide. But, I mean, to he made up one spot after that, so it it could have been I feel like it could have been a lot better because you figure at before he dropped off he's already yeah, he's I think right behind could, Zarco. But at the same time I think a little bit like what Josh just said with lap 15 it's a little bit black and white with Ducati and Yamaha I think for lap 15 it was a case of right this is the point where last week we dropped off and this is the point where if we have any tire left we need to save it Whereas lap 50 of the Yamaha's was okay, mm-hmm. our tires are now in full 
full flow that we've saved them so well that after that, you know, Quattararo, as you've seen, worked his way through. And Vinales, which Mm -hmm. P5, let's get on to him. I think, yeah, I mean, I'm probably being a little bit biased being a Yamaha fan, but I think with Vinales, if it was a case of, if he could have got past the Pramax without them kind of being really defensive after Quattararo went past, they kind of held the door sort of thing and kind of held their own. I think if he could have got through that, it would have been a one-two Yamaha. But mm. down the straight, every time Vinales got close or got past, it was just, you know, typical Ducati and it got down the straight and he'd get blitzed again. But I think he was a little yeah. bit annoyed with P5, having given it rins like very, yeah, very he- late on. He was uh, like watching the post race stuff and seeing him in the garage talking to his you know, engineers and everything. He was really upset. Like you could tell he was not happy about, I don't know if it was the way the bike handled or just you know, it, stuff that happened on track, but yeah, he was think- not happy with the P5. And I mean, co- coming off the back of a, 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 a P1, the previous race, yeah, you're kind of going to mm. be upset. It was, um, I think, again, with, um, what Bono mentioned about the the Primark Ducatis, he just he used his tires up trying to get past them, and obviously he couldn't get past them, and then he lost mm-hmm. the fourth position to Rins, and I think that just it, it, it was a frustrating end, and it, obviously yeah. it showed in the garage. I think it was a bit, bit of frustration as well. I mean, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, I think Yamaha, no matter what, I think from what I've seen so far, I think they've improved from last year, mm. which. Wouldn't have been hard from last year, but um, <laughs> I think in general, yeah. if you'd have took fifth place from, let's say, Portimao, the last race of last year for Yamaha, given the results they were getting, I think you'd have been pretty chuffed with how the, the bike was turning out. So to say that he's annoyed with P5, yeah, like Matt said, you know, he's, he's won the previous race, so you're going to be annoyed that you're fifth the next one. But a fifth place, it's not the end of the world. I think it's a good... Hall of points for Yamaha. And I think Maverick having won the previous race, it puts him in good stead to go back to Europe. Mm. But I think, yeah, I think like you say, I think it was more a little bit of frustration trying to get past the Ducatis, but that that's what's that's what comes with Qatar, really. You know, mm. you can do everything you can after turn one, but by the time it comes to turn sixteen and you're back on the street, that work you is yeah, undone. Mm. Yeah, moving up to P4, uh, we have Alex Rins. So uh, this yeah. is a great race for him, uh, you know, to to be able to beat your teammate, which is always your first rival, um, to be able to beat, you know, Vinales, the mm-hmm. both Ducatis. I mean, you know, he was about a half second behind third place. I mean, this is about as good as you're going to get, yeah. especially I in a race like this. I, what surprised me with Rins is he usually he, he goes aggressive in the first half of a race, tries to yeah. get you know make, build some kind of a lead, and then tries to hold on. So to see him kind of in fourth, you know, at the end of the race was was quite. I was quite surprised by that, to be honest. I think as well, it comes a lot from mm-hmm. their start. I mean, Suzuki aren't notorious great starters, and they looked. I mean. I say compared to Yamaha, but, you know, but um, looking from Vinales's point of view, which, I mean, Vinales, yeah, and Quattro both had very, very poor starts. 
But looking from their point of view, the Suzuki's were very, very quick down the down to the front, the the first corner. Sorry. Yeah. So, you know, I think Rind put himself in a good position from the very from the very get go because, like you say, usually it's a case of he's he's around like P five, P six, and it's like the first half he tends to like not burn himself out, but kind of just like the the tires tend to just kind of run off a little bit in the last mm. five or six laps because you know he's. He's pushed early on, but yeah, usually Mia kind of overtakes and yeah, does, yeah, does, does yeah. a rest for Suzuki in the, in yeah. the second mm-hmm. half. And I, I just think Rins wrote really smart. You know, he sat behind when he needed to sit behind. Yeah, I mean, he wanted to get past the Primax early doors, didn't he? Before Quattararo, yeah, he wanted to. He effectively wanted to do what Fabio did. Yeah, but wasn't able to do it, but. I think, to be honest, I think Renz will be very, very happy with fourth yeah. in the grand scheme. It's very yeah, well, happy. well, when he rolled into the yeah. garage, the Suzuki garage was made up for him. Yeah. So it just it kind of says all you need to know mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. Yeah. But moving up to P3, Jorge Martin. Um, this, mm. this was amazing to watch. Uh, I'll start with that. I mean, to watch him you know, start from pool. And, you know, he was saying in like interviews after he got pulled, like, Oh, well, I'm just going to wait and yeah. see who passes me <laughs> and then watch them and see what they're doing. And it wasn't until lap 18 that somebody passed a Very, very smart Frenchman as your teammate who goes, yeah. I'm not willing to overtake you because mm-hmm. if I overtake you, that's going to do my tires. No good. So mm-hmm. Zarco, if you want to link it into the yeah. P2 position, I think Zarko. Again, yeah, we can. I, I think I've said it before. I think a lot of people have slept on Zarko. I think he's he's very very smart. Zarko. He, oh yeah. He saw it in Moto Two when he won the two world titles. He's not the kind of guy that is going to throw it at the fence or the kind of guy that is kind of you know full of adrenaline and just going to go for something. He, he's a thinker. He's very much a thinker. And he basically mm-hmm. sat behind Martin and said, "Look, you set the pace because I can match it." And if anybody gets near you, like right. he said in the uh, post race, he was like, "I'm a bodyguard." You know, he's a real gunner, just... wasn't he? For him, yeah. For... And it suited Zarco because, like he said mm-hmm. before the weekend, if I sit behind anybody for the race, it's not going to. It's, it's fine for my tires. And if they overtake me, I know I can get them down the street. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's he's a clever guy, Zarco, and you know he left it late on to get past Martin, and Martin did the right thing in just saying, "You know what? P3 on my second ever race." I'll take it. So yeah, that 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 was smart by Martin. Yeah, you know, that... he said before the race he he didn't expect to win. He, you know, not that he didn't want to win, but he had no you know um, expectations of winning. So it, so having getting third was just it, it was it was a dream, almost like a dream come true for him. Yeah, he even he said, didn't he? He said he expected <laughs> top six. He, well, he didn't expect. He was like, I'll aim for top six. Yeah. So. You know, going from Poland, setting yourself top six to the, most people on the outside must be like, you know, that's crazy. But in MotoGP, it's very, very different early doors. You you can't just click, really. Mm. But, I mean, he clicked pretty well to say he got P3. But I think, to be fair, it might sound weird saying this, but like, a, like I mentioned with Zarco, I think the main reason he did get P3 was because of Zarco, not just yeah. because he overtook him and took second. I mean, he kind of guarded him. He didn't let anybody buy at Martin early doors. He let him set the pace and just sat behind him all the time and kind of let everybody else that kind of 
got past Zarka into second, like your Quattararo in his early doors, Rins, Vinales, Bagnaya, just said, no, no, I'm taking second back. You're not getting anywhere near my yep. uh, my little Spaniard. <laughs> <laughs> You're keeping away from him. So, um, and then just went, okay, last lap. <laughs> You've done all my work for me. Oh, hey, I'll, um, I'll take your second place and you can get on the podium with me. So, yeah. I mean, Pramac, they'll be laughing. And I mean, it was, I think, what was it, 500th? Five hundredth of a second between Zarko and Martin, so it, it really went down to the line as well. Yeah, he did try. He did say as well. He said any other bike other than Zarko had to beat him. Yep. And I, did, <laughs> I mean, a factory bike. They've been quicker, haven't they? Mm. They've been quicker than the factory bike, so he's probably right. I mean, I think that'd have gone down pretty well in in Ducati if Miller would have been going third, and then a, a young Jorge Martin would have just streaked past him and knocked him <laughs> off the podium. That probably oh, didn't God. do it any good. But, I mean, again, we mentioned it earlier, but yeah. if you're uh, Gigi and you've put uh, Miller as your main man, Pecco, good result with sixth, considering the top five. Mm-hmm. But you're looking at the podium and you've got two of your, so to speak, B-team riders sat on it. It's like... You know, that's crazy. I mean, Martin, second ever race, and he's he's beating both your factory guys. Mm-hmm. Moving up to P1, we got Fabio Quattararo. Um, I mean, th- this was a very similar race to what we saw from Vinales last year, and it, 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 it almost makes you wonder what if... What more can come from these monster energy well, I Yamahas? A lot. <laughs> hmm. I, I, Not being biased at yeah. all. But that 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 kind of the way he weaved through everyone. What was it? The last ten laps, he just went on this charge. That was just amazing to watch. I, mm-hmm. I, I didn't think he'd get all the way up. I saw obviously I saw his, him and Vinales, the name slowly going up the leaderboard, and you thought, oh, well, here come here come Yamaha. They'll they'll have a late charge for a podium, but for for quarter hour to just. As, as soon as he got past some Pramac Ducatis that troubled him for a little bit, but as soon as he got past them, that was it. He was he was gone into the sunset. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, I did think out of either of them. I, I did think it would be Vinales again. Yeah. But he, he struggled with, I think, with Quattararo, with the Bagnaia incident, him running off. And I mm. think Sarko might have run a little bit wide as well on that same corner. I think Quattararo, it kind of fell pretty nice for him. But Vinales, you know, it, 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 it does happen. Mm-hmm. He, he just struggled to get past Ducatis, which, whether you're a Yamaha, Suzuki, Honda, or whatever, Ducatis are probably the most difficult to pass anyway. So mm. it can fall for you. It can go completely against you. And I think that's what's happened with either Yamaha. But take nothing away from Fabio. Brilliant, brilliant ride in yeah. his last 10 laps. And he, he's he's shaking that monkey off his back. Um, because, of yeah. course, what the, the last... <laughs> how many races of last season were... I think there's been about seven or eight races. Yeah. No, six it, races, I think. He's I not think, been on the podium. Yeah, Catalan GP was the last time he was on the podium. I can't remember how long ago that was exactly. Yeah, I'll figure that one out. But um, it, that's done a you know, world of good for his confidence. And we might now be seeing a different trajectory for Quartararo than you know, pre, pre-Sunday, pre I think. Yeah, it's, it's been eight races he's is had in between or seven seven races or whatever since he's been on the podium. So you know, coming from the the guy in in Patronus and this up and coming you know replacement for Valentino, it's mm. a lot of pressure. So for him to be leading the championship when he was last on the podium, 
Losing out to me last year would have been a big confidence knock and being this extra pressure going to the factory. I think you're right. I think it's a good monkey to get off his back with going to, to Yamaha factory team and just getting that first win in very early. As well as seeing, I think Maverick winning last week's given him a boost as well. Yeah. I think it's just given him that extra thing of like, okay, it's doable. You know, if, if he can do it, I can do it. Got the, bike, the fact yeah. that he has done that, you know, he, he's, he said, if Maverick can do it, I can. And he, he's gone through with it and done it. I think that puts Yamaha in very good stead in terms of the confidence they've got going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you guys were saying about the last 10 laps. Oh, it was lap actually 12. lap 12. Oh. At lap, well, lap 11, he's in eighth place. Lap 12, he's up to seventh. 13th and 14th, he's in fifth. 15th and 16th, he's in fourth. 17th, he's in lap 17, he's in third. 18, he's in second. And then by lap 19, he had taken first and then held it for the next four laps. Yeah. It was so it wasn't even the, like the last 10 laps. It was like a seven lap, an eight lap span where he just yeah, I think picked everybody well, off one by the, one. The lap 15 thing I mentioned earlier, though, I think it is the case of not the last 10 necessarily, but it, it is with Ducati. Like um, Josh mentioned, it's. Last week, they dropped off at lap 15, and Vinales at lap 15 cleared off pretty well, roughly. But like, he, even if he wasn't at the front, he started to make his moves from then on. And yeah. as you can read out, Quattararo gets to that kind of mm-hmm. stage, and they, they're really good on tyres as riders, as well as the bikes, a lot healthier on tyres, and the, the way they've got it set up, that he just carried on moving on forward, moving on forward, and then just... Like Josh said again, it's as soon as they got past the Bramac, it, it was like, well, that I'll see you later. Because by the time we got to the last corner, it was, what was it? I think it was like eight tenths in front of him. I mean, obviously down the straight, they caught him a little bit, but you're not yeah. gaining eight tenths on the straight. It was it was gone. Quattro, yeah, because I think, as you mentioned, with Vinales, that's why he was so frustrated. Because I think he knew that if he'd have been able to get past the Bramacs, he could have been in the same situation yeah, as Quattro. definitely. Definitely. But... Like you mentioned earlier, he then yeah. had to use that tire that he saved to mm. when he got past the Pramax to fight the Pramax yeah. because it just didn't fall for him. But it, you know, sometimes it's just the roll of the die. Sometimes, you know, someone runs wide and you can just slip past them at the right corner and make a gap and get past them and clear off before they get to the straight. Whereas Vinales, it seemed to only open up just before the straight and then he just got blitzed straight back past, which. Yeah. It happens with Ducatis, but overall, mm-hmm. I think I think Yamaha will be laughing coming out of the uh, coming out of the Middle East. Yeah, I think it. it what is it? Obviously, it's advantage mm-hmm. Zarco coming out of the Middle East. Yeah. But what is it for? Is it advantage Ducati or is it advantage Yamaha? No, it's advantage Yamaha. Yes. I don't actually have the constructors. Yeah. Is there any chance you could read the constructors? Yeah. I've, I've I, got them now. So I'm trying to so find Yamaha it. Factory right. Racing 72 points. Okay. Uh, Pramac in Pramac Ducati 57 and yeah. Suzuki on 45 in third. And then got our constructors. It's Yamaha <sighs> leading with 50 and Ducati on 40. So it is advantage, advantage Yamaha. And looking at the uh, rider championship, Zarco. Leads with 40. I'm only going to do the top three because after third, it drops. Quattarar on 36 and Vinales in 36 with 36. Fourth is mm. Vinaya with 26. A, yeah, 10 point gap. 
So, yeah, I mean, and then after that, it's it's a three point gap, a one point. Yeah, it, it's it steadily drops from there. But like that, those top three. I mean, if if it's a battle between them for the rest mm. of the season, it's going to be an interesting one because you, you got the you got Zarco, the veteran, who's like gunning for it. Like this is like I said, last ditch effort. And then you got the two Yamaha teammates that are going to be just clashing with yeah. each other. Mm. I think it'll be an interesting one because, like I say, I, I think Zarko is very, very much slept upon in the paddock, yeah. especially with. And I, I do get it because the, you know the last couple of years hasn't mm-hmm. been what he wanted to be, um, especially with the KTM saga and everything. But having said that, there's nothing taken away from him that you know he's not a two-time world champion. Whether it's Moto Two or not, you don't win two world titles from just being fast. You know you've yeah. got to be a pretty smart guy. You've got to know what you're doing. So. It's 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 an interesting one with Zarco this year. It's it's just a case of can he do it on the tracks that aren't Ducati, so to speak, tracks. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll see when we come to to Portugal in right. in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And uh if you guys aren't already, look into our grid rival league. Um it, it's definitely getting interesting. We're we're two races in. Um Looking at the result or the standings right now, I'm just going to say the first part. Gert is in the lead with 1,863 points. Yeah, I dropped a couple of players. Josh, you're in third. You you dropped one. Um, I am in a (laughs) just blazing ninth place. It's a marathon, marathon, Um, not a sprint, though, isn't it? Let's let's look at it that way. (laughs) Right, right. I'll take it. Um, but yeah, it, it's an interesting league to get into. Um, it's, it's set up differently than the, uh, than yeah, like the normal MotoGP fan. Oh yeah. The good rival um, one's good because it, it, each, each like rider you have is a contract length between like one and five races. So it's pretty interesting, right. um, how they work it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got a bigger budget. You don't have the the gold and silver riders as much. You just have your five riders and then a constructor. Um, like he said, you can pick how long you want right. to like sign riders for. Um, if you only want to sign them, to, like if you if you see the races coming up, you're like, well, I think he this person might be good at this race, but not the following race. You can assign him oh, only yeah, to yeah, it's one pretty, pretty decent contract. Uh, it's, I like fiddling about. I've got a few. Uh, I've got Martin and a couple with like double as like star rider, which has done me amazing. But yeah. Um, well, interestingly, I, I have actually made a slight adjustment to my uh, to my MotoGP, oh. which is a bit of a controversial one, I think. But um, I mean, if you want to read the MotoGP standings, I'm more than happy for you to read <laughs> read the MotoGP. <laughs> I'm not quite no, I'm sure. I'm that up right now. Have to double check. I'm... Well, let's see, shall we? Oh, well. <laughs> uh, like you are, but no GP. I figured there was. I figured there was a reason. I'm in fourth in that one. Yeah. I... Um. Yeah, that one. Uh, I I feel like this one mm. I'm a little better in because I've done it before. I understand this setup. I kind of put more, my all, but, uh, all my eggs in one basket, and I just went. Yeah, it's pretty much. 
Factory Ducati as my gold riders, so it's not it's not going that well. See, I was a little bit smarter in <laughs> hindsight, though. Not I'm not trying to claim on some kind of genius. I went with um, one Factory Ducati rider in the gold, and then one in the in the silver. Mm. Well, I, I have actually sub, I have I actually substituted Peko out. It's, I, I'm... Put, it's it's a questionable choice, but I'm going off of what can only be described as success because I'm going off the one guy and the the only guy to ever win at Portugal, I've put Miguel Oliveira in instead of Peco. See, I, I did something similar, but I'm, I I had Nakagami on my team and I subbed him out for Oliveira, but then moved oh, right. Oliveira up to gold because for this past race, I had Miller and Banyaya as my gold and Quattararo mm. and Nakagami as my silvers. So I've effectively swapped out Nakagami and moved him to gold. Or yeah, Nakagami for Oliveira moved him to gold. Well, yeah, and then uh, moved Banyaya to silver. Oliveira could pay off. I mean, if it's if it's going to pay off anyway, it's going to be Portugal. Exactly. That's so. my thought process. It's like <laughs> even if the bike's a mile off, mm-hmm. he is so quick. I, I don't know if you've ever watched uh, Oliveira around. He, I think he did like a Portugal uh, Super Sport. I want to say thousand cc race there. Like he, he literally went in as like an exhibition type thing last year. He just turned it up on a on an unbranded R1M Yamaha R1M, and I think he beat the whole championship field by about fifteen wow. seconds. Mm-hmm. He, he just somehow else. So Every rider has a track. His, and... He knows his way around it. Let's just put it that way. So um, I've I've kind of put my eggs in that oh, basket yeah. with with yeah. Oliveira, but I am a big fan of yeah. I'm a big fan of Miguel, so that's I'm, what I'm I did he too. Comes in clutch for me with mm. with Portimao, so. Yeah, I've said that, but Pekka will probably go and win now. I've took him out my, uh, <laughs> out my team. Typical. But, yeah, <laughs> happy to be leading. But, yeah. Yeah, so I think that does it for today's show. Um, guys, where can I they mean, follow you? You can follow me on Instagram at BonoGP and uh, Twitter at BonoGP. That's my socials, as well as YouTube. I'm going to be starting doing more and more content on there in regards to previews and reviews now that I've got the time to do it. Um, so yeah, they're, they're pretty much on socials, just BunnoGP, B-U-N-N-O-G-P. And then we have a Red Sector MotoGP podcast uh, on Twitter, if anyone's interested, if anyone's not following who's listening. Uh, and then you will find both mine and Matt's uh, Twitter uh, handles in the description there. Yeah, and uh, we're yeah. going to get the description change over to add Bono in, but uh, you can follow me at Matt Polanski1 everywhere. Um, on Twitch, I'm GameStopper0734. Yeah, I'm mostly doing racing games. I do, I'm do. i in a Forza League where I do races every Saturday night at 10 o'clock Eastern. So, I mean, for some of the European listeners, it's not that old to me. But you yeah, always go back and watch the replays. Usually some interesting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's the motorcycles. That's I think it's the uh, the Jeremy Alcoba red sector link that's kind of linking you to the crashing. Uh, yeah, I don't want to get uh, into yeah, it, probably. I think it's Josh putting some kind of <laughs> yeah. like, some kind of spiritual thing on you that's you know. Passing or he's just out. he's just um, summoning his inner Ma- Alex Marquez. So, <laughs> Ooh, touchy subject talking about <laughs> talking about LCR Honda because Nakagami's in his team. So yeah. <laughs> But 
Yeah, so with that, we'll leave you with...